October 26, 2020. It's a Wife from Pedro show. Thank <laughs> you. 
Life for Peter Show. Happy Monday. It's the last Monday of October. Closing it on Nove. And I think uh, November 1 is daylight saving time. And mornings won't be as fucking dark when I'm doing my hobbling. Uh, we started off with Ahmed's Blues. John Coltrane with Miles Davis. I think if I remember the Quincy Troop book, Ahmad Jamal was uh, Miles' favorite piano man. He thought... Red Garland was terrible or some shit, too busy. And yeah, you know, I mean, he was in his band for a long time. But that's the way that book is. Miles says all kinds of outrageous shit. So. And you can hear my guess. And he he, he played the tune right after uh, John Coltrane and Miles Davis there. On the corner of the square. On the corner, that's a Miles record. But John Coltrane ain't on it. It's a few years later. So, uh, welcome aboard, Nick. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. Okay, yeah. And we got to... Uh, Give big respect for the Connect Man, right? That put us together. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Our man. Yeah. He's a bass, right? What's that? He's a bassist, right? Who's that? Evan Lipson. Oh, did he put us together? I thought Baguetta put us together. Mike Baguetta, that's right. But yeah, I know well, what too. happened was uh, there was a, a gig, right, with the, this uh, Reverend Fred Lane who hadn't played in many years. And I think Evan was the bass man at that gig. Hey, and those through, videos of that gig were awesome. But because of that gig, a lot of dudes came together that have been on the show now. They're they're kind of, you know, avant-garde out musicians, you know. And both Mike and Evan has made a lot of connects, so, you know, I can have my listeners. I've had, I had the show 19 years, five months, but uh, especially during the Quentin Quarantino mode, right, uh, uh, maybe four shows a week now yeah. instead of the regular one. And so uh, both Mike Baguetta and Evan Lipson, and other cats, too. Stevie Bono, Philadelphia cat who lives here now. Yep. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, but bringing in people. Because, I mean, I've met some people over the years and shit, but it's hard to know everybody, especially the uh, the younger shift people, such as yourself. I mean, you've been around a while, but maybe me a little more. But <laughs> that don't mean you still know everybody. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, that makes sense. And, and if you want to keep, if you really believe in the, the idea that everyone's got something, something that they can teach you, then you got to be open, you know, at least give them a look-see and shit. And have them, uh, I mean, I'm not really into putting on merch music. There's enough of that shit out. But people that's got, you know, kind of, you know, I'm thinking D. Boone, George Hurley, you know, people with uh, personas and stuff like that I, that I got used to. As a younger person, wanting to express myself in music. And I, I'm not looking for D. Boone or Georgie clones, but kind of... Like-minded, that's it. Yeah, I like okay, that. Okay, you know, because we were part of a movement, and that movement was in just the old days. It was, it was, uh, in some ways, you know, it always was, you know, going back to Walt Whitman and whatever the fuck, Derogenes, living in a fucking barrel, yelling at people, right? And then, and then it's hopefully tomorrow. You know what I mean? You, you got to keep things loose and open enough so that they are dynamic. And flexible to change, and so I'm, I'm really grateful to everybody uh, turning me on to new cats, uh, n- maybe new to me. P- people like Jack Wright, like he was on the show a few weeks ago. He's been around, you know. He's but, been around for a while. Yeah, he's been like, around longer than you. <laughs> but but look, yeah, yeah. But look, there's a band in the in the city, San Francisco, uh, called Black Humor, and they had a line of this tune. It said, "The only thing new." It's you finding out about it. <laughs> so yeah, Mr. Wright, uh, that was. Uh, but everybody, everybody's 
bringing. You know, that's the people I like on the show. It makes it, it makes me feel it's the reason I do the show in a way is play, pay back the movement for letting me, Georgie D. Boone, have a shot uh, getting hurt. Why not well, yeah, extend man. that same kind of ethic, you know? You're doing a service to everybody. You're doing a service to your guests, but you're also doing, you know, you're doing a service to your listeners, too. And I always appreciate that as a listener. Yeah, well, uh, maybe life's about taking turns. Sometimes you're listening. Sometimes you're doing the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like inhale, exhale. So maybe you need both. It can't be. uh, I I tell you. I've said this before, but like a lot of uh, expectations are built on just trying to be the boss. That means you yeah. win, right? But every if you really confront yourself, you know you can't learn everything if you're always the boss. You always get your fucking way. <laughs> okay, so let's get on to your story, though, Nick. I'm ready. Your earliest musical recollection, please. My earliest musical recollection... Um... Echo of you. I, I used to. Uh, my earliest musical recollection is probably. This is ridiculous. Um, I, I feel like look, it's look, a really on the fun Watt for one, Pedro show. It, on the Watt for Pedro show, there are no hard questions and there are no wrong answers. <laughs> well, I think the earliest time that I was aware of music and thinking about music was watching. Uh, like infomercials on cable for like box sets, like collections. So it'd be like, um, like, like a 50s collection. And I don't know, that stuff really stuck with me. I, I know, like, they're just little clips of songs that I would see as a little kid. And uh, I'd hear all these songs like Twilight Time and, um, you know, like, like stuff by the platters. Um, all sorts of like early doo-wop stuff uh, in the still of the night, stuff like that. I remember being on these commercials and I, you know, I must've been really young when I saw this stuff on like Nick at night or whatever, or whatever. but I think that's gotta be the first recollections for me. Well, yeah, because you know, <laughs> this ain't a fucking documentary and memory, memory <laughs> means that's all you can recall. It doesn't mean like there was another shit. Right. No, like, I've, had dudes, yeah, on, sure I've had dudes on the show. That tell me shit when they were two or three years. I can't remember shit when I was two or three, you know. But so everybody's different on this. Now I yeah. think what you were looking at was a kind of a marketing strategy where they would Absolutely. take a generation. And platters that sounds to me like the happy days kind of yep. par- paradigm. So it was probably coming on while I was watching Happy Days too, right? I don't know. I wasn't there, so yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna trust you though, Nick. Look, the pad you grew up in. Uh-huh. Where was it? Uh, it was in a neighborhood in Northeast Philadelphia. Okay. So, oh, wow. So you didn't leave the roost. Okay. No. Uh, well, which, actually, I did. I just moved, but I'm still in the Philadelphia area. I live in New Jersey now, but uh, I only moved two months ago. Oh, that was okay. my first time. And shit, most of it, uh, uh, as far as New Jersey's concerned, it's just across the river. Yeah, I'm just across the river. Yeah, right. Camden, where uh, Walt Whitman yep. ended up. I've been to his pad. That was quite a that was quite oh, experience. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The ranger guy. I never told, thought to do that. I should do that. The ranger guy told me, and he looked square John as a motherfucker, right? And he said, look, you rub your hand on that rail when we went upstairs to see his bedroom. Uh-huh. And, and I, I looked at him like, he said, yeah, because his DNA's in there. 
And I was oh, like, whoa. Shit. So this, never judge a book by its cover, right? Even with the smoky right. bear hat and shit like that. Now, now this pad in Philly, was there yeah. musical instruments? No, there were no musical instruments. Uh, nobody in my family was a musician. Was there um, listeners? There were listeners. I remember... Um, I remember right around that time I was watching infomercials for oldies compilations that um, my uncle was around and he would be watching MTV. And I remember that. I remember seeing seeing early MTV on the TV. I wasn't watching, you know, I was probably sitting there playing with my, my G.I. Joes or something. But I remember that stuff being on. So it's my, my grandparents. I remember I still have them. I have my grandmother's Willie Nelson LPs. Um, I remember hearing that and Patsy Cline and stuff like that in the house. Um, so a lot of listening, my mom loved the Beatles and the Stones, all that stuff, but, um, but nobody else was a musician. That was something I just got into. Well, what about school? Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Oh man, I went to Catholic school, so there wasn't any of that. There was no music education. There was no art education. It was very old school. Or like no school as far as art. <laughs> Yeah, so, right. Exactly. Look, 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 I'm going to play Streets of Philadelphia. It seems appro appropriate. Gas, awesome. gas kill. <laughs> Thank you. 
in case I do not mention. Birthing me. Reducing my old skin for sacrifice. Standing again for you. Trembling, the air I breathe laughing, tumbling out. Flesh made word from your lips. Your hair cut short into brunette flowers. In case I do not mention. Christianity is insanity. It's not what Christ intended. Destruction of man, death to the land, it's what their Bible portended. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Except money and political power. Thou shalt have no carbon image to bow down to. Except for the sign of the almighty dollar. Thou shalt not take thy Lord's name in vain. Unless describing political opponents. Thou shalt keep the Sabbath holy. The Protestant Sabbath. Honor thy mother and father. For their money. Thou shalt not kill. White people. Thou shalt commit adultery. And brag to the world about it. Thou shalt not steal. From the rich. When thou shalt bow false witness, thou shalt double down often and loudly. Thy shall covet thy neighbor's wife and daughter. The golden rule. has been replaced by the rule of gold. The Good Samaritan was detained at the border.
by a love so blind Even Juliet sighed, just wasted time Boy, it worked so hard just to hold up the pillars Heart disease, the doctor sighed, but lies were his killer And if anybody deserves some fun Kids are the ones. The richer lives walk than the business is. You get told in business by some snot nosed kid. All the people work so hard, so hard for their money. Others like to count them under dollar bills, and they think that it's funny.
for Pedro's show. Yeah. Nick, you got to, is it Millivoy? Yep. Okay. You got it. You got to ask somebody, right? Uh, mean, why why is my fucking name have two T's, right? What? I guess you want to make sure it's over, right? There's the Sam Beckett book called that, too. Uh, Nick Millivoy with uh, Streets of Philadelphia Gas Kill. Laden jars after that London gone. Now, Mr. Franklin, speaking of Philadelphia and the Laden jars, right? Uh, first batteries, people. A guy by voices, a horrible sculpture at the end of the bridge, though, the Ben Franklin Bridge. That's the corniest shit, that key with the lightning bolt. Sorry. I got, you know, don't mean to foist an opinion there, but uh, um, more reduction, Linda. Obama's uh, Prendon, D.C. band never did a gig, but they recorded. And respect the road. Uh, Phil Venable out of North Carolina with, in case I do not mention, He's getting into poetry. Lunatics on parole with the New Ten Commandments. Ridiculous trio. Uh, Chitown doing stooges on sax, tuba, and drums. That's a power trio. Down on oh, the I street. can't wait to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah, well, you did just did hear it. The Vermes de Lobo, they're going to be on the show Saturday. These are some cats. Used to be a du duet. Now they're a trio out of uh, Brazil. Impro 2. And then Johnny Mark and the Ricks deserves this. The Ricks, one of those Ricks. Now, I knew him as Frankie Onway. He's one of the guitar men of Suburban Lawns, Minuteman. Before we were Minutemen, we were reactionaries, and we played with Suburban Lawns. And they had a prac pad in Strong Beach. And uh, Frankie had a massive stroke and just died a couple of years ago, and I just found out, so I've been playing stuff. This is a band he did after. Unspeakable Garbage, I guess one of your projects, uh, Nick. Uh, Rocks, Maryland. Yeah, there's a Rockville yeah. in Maryland. And because uh, we toured with this band, R.E.M., and uh, don't go back to Rockville. Like Now, Rock, I remember we played a place called the, yeah, Rock, it, it was a bad word in the 70s, 80s. It wasn't rock and roll. It was like uh, yeah, uh, drogas, you know. <laughs> yeah, don't go to Rockville. No shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, right, there's a famous quote from Albert Einstein. If you ain't got the dime, you don't get the rock or some shit like that. Okay, so back to you. Now, now yeah. when you were in the uh, earlier school, there was no a program, but you did get to a school that did have a music program. Yes, yeah, yeah. So uh, I ended up at this school in, in Center City, Philadelphia called Masterman. I was in the jazz band. It was a very small program. Uh, I think there were about five people in the jazz band. It wasn't one of these big things. But, um, you know, it, it really that experience was really important for me because it really warped my perspective on jazz and how music is put together because we didn't read any music in jazz band. And, uh, I was not at that point, a very good reader either. And, um, you know, we would just play soul tunes. We played, uh, some Stevie wonder. We played Bob Marley. We played, um, a band called Mandrill. We played some of those tunes. Oh, I know Mandrill. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, a little fuse. <laughs> or on yeah, the road man. to fuse. I guess Miles started all that with the bitches brew and the uh, live evil and stuff. Uh, so, so, how did you jump on the guitar? So the guitar, it was just something that I, I don't know. I, as a, as a little kid, I was interested in it. And I just, I guess I just talked my mom's ear off about it and ended up with the guitar. Um, oh, so she, she got it for you? Was it one of these? About seven or eight years old. So was it one of these deals, I'll get you the guitar, but you got to take lessons? Basically, yeah. And so what was that experience like? 
So for me, starting playing guitar was it was really cool, um, but it took a couple years for it to really click. I remember going in for my first guitar lesson, and my teacher asked me if I wrote with my left hand or my right hand, and he gave me a left, and I, I write with my left hand, so I ended up with a left-handed guitar the first few months I could play, and uh, I couldn't do it. It didn't work for me. I didn't have that coordination, and I was ready to quit. I mean, I was only a little kid, um, but I was ready to quit, and I was over somebody's house, a family member's house or something, visiting, and they had a right-handed guitar, and I could play all my lessons on a right-handed guitar, even though I never had even had a chance to pick one up. Um, but it just, I had that coordination to use, use my left hand as a fretting hand. And, um, so for me, that was, that was a big boost, but it took a couple years. You know, my teacher had me just like reading out of Mel Bay books, which was not very exciting. And I don't recommend as a, as somebody who gives a lot of guitar lessons and has given, given a lot of guitar lessons over the years, I wouldn't recommend anybody learn out of those books really so, you don't know, so it, you it don't, took a while before i found a guitar teacher who just told me how to rock out and taught me some nirvana now, songs. you don't you don't know why you went on guitar why you didn't pick drums why you didn't pick bass why didn't you pick a uh, saxophone you didn't have a was there a guitar player that inspired you to get on um, that guitar well there's a couple things you know i think that for me personally I mentioned the infomercial thing. I know it's really, you know, it's it's kind of crazy, but I would see like, I would see Elvis infomercials for for like Elvis, I guess like tape box sets or something at the time, and I thought that that looked really cool. Him holding the guitar, funny enough. Um, and uh, but you know, you were really hearing Scotty Moore and. Uh... But yeah, exactly. So it's like I wasn't. Um, it was just about the look of it. I think yeah, it looked yeah, cool, yeah. Okay. but I, I didn't grow up knowing my father. But it turns out he was a guitar player. So I don't know. Maybe there's something in in the DNA there. Oh, your daddy played guitar, but he didn't have yeah. one in the pad. No, no, he wasn't around. I, I, I didn't, I didn't know that as a kid. But my mom knew that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. James Burton was the other guitarist I was trying to. Think James Burton, yeah. And and both pretty smoking guitars. Scotty Moore, James. Burton. Uh, when I think of John Fogarty, I'm always thinking of Scotty Moore, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. Because Dee Boone had a big influence from John Fogarty, so in a way it was from Scotty Moore. And, okay, so there was, you did, have, DNA, man. you did have some kind of role models and shit. So, so you bring the guitar to the jazz class in high school. Yep. Okay. And, uh, and like you said, there's not a lot of reading, but there's a lot of playing together. Yeah. Now, did you do yeah, the thing? Yeah, just a lot of jamming, a lot of playing together. What and about that was this, Nick? What about this? That, After school, did you get the garage band, the bedroom band, the basement band thing going? Yeah, I had that going all along. I had that, you know, probably. I remember I, I started taking guitar lessons in a couple within a couple years. By the time, I mean, I was I was little. I was probably in sixth grade, and my buddy up the street played drums. So we were getting together in the basement and, and just making stuff up as wow. as long. Oh, that. really? So you were always happening. You weren't copying off records. You were actually making original music. Well, we didn't know we didn't know any songs. No, yet. no, <laughs> like in Pedro in the seventies, me and D Boone, no one wrote yeah. their own songs. So I'm always amazed to hear this. I love it. I love it. We were yeah. copying. It was like building models. You know, kind of looks like the real thing. No. <laughs> Look, what was I forgot to ask you? What was the first record you bought with your own money? The first record I bought with my own money. Ah, oh, that's a really good question because I can think of the first tape 
that I've asked well, that, my mom. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just piece of media with the music on. No, it. no. Okay. I mean, I can think about like asking my mom, like especially requesting something. It would have been, uh, the, well, this is a big one for me is the Wayne's World soundtrack. Wayne's World came out in 91. I was uh, seven years old. And I think that's, that's actually also where I got obsessed with the guitar. And I remember asking my mom for that soundtrack. Around the time I started well, playing. That well, was- I ask, I ask with your own money because, man, when we're little, we don't have a lot of money. So if you're going to spend your own money, it's something you really want. I, th- I think the first one I bought with my own money might have been, might have been in utero. It probably was, yeah, in utero or never mind. But I think it was actually in utero first. Who's that? Uh, Nirvana. Nirvana. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, what about uh, the names of the albums? I'm stupid. I'm sorry. What about the first gig you went and saw, Nick? I saw R.E.M. in 95. at uh, That was on the Monster Tour. Funny thing, I just saw a video of that. A friend of mine is like a... He's a little bit older than me. And he, uh, he's he been, been bootlegging concerts for years, filming them. And he posted... He just happened to post this on Facebook the other day. A video he took back in 95 of R.E.M. playing at the Spectrum. And I was like, holy shit, that's the first concert I ever went to. So I watched the whole thing. It was pretty pretty cool to, to look back on it. And, and honestly, it's like I, I felt like I remembered the whole thing. So if I was going to market a box set, I would have a bunch of R.E.M. and Wayne's World for you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> because you know how nostalgia. It, it's like when I was a boy, I saw so many World War II movies in the 60s because they're marketing. Uh-huh. They usually market to the generation that's retiring, right? Because they're going to sit yeah. at home, right? Look, we're at the end of the first hour, October 26, 2020, edition of Watt Pedro Show special guest, Nick Milvoy. Hold tight for hour two. October 26, 2020, it's the second hour. Watt Pedro Show.
wanted was to tickle your ears But honey, you were gone for a thousand years You couldn't hear my song, couldn't hear my bell tone I was obscured like the sun in a swirling dust bowl Someone following me that I couldn't shake Some kind of crazy cold that I could not break Every leaf in the forest was all out of place And there was a curtain of smoke drawn across your face Superhero behind a wall of solid steel that I could punch right through. I'd summon all my powers and fight off all of these demons. These demons and villains are keeping me away from you. And I was just this close But just this close Kept getting further away I'd rehearsed my lines Time after time But once I got on stage I found I had nothing to say oh, But I believe, yes I believe That I could grow strong enough Cause you know, honey, you know that I crave you There's really only one thing makes me tremble with fear And that's a maybe, or maybe you don't want me to save you But if I was some kind of superhero Behind a wall of solid steel That I could punch right through I'd summon all my powers Fight off all these demons These demons and villains Are keeping me away from you These demons and villains Are keeping me away from you
neighbor's garage. I will plant some dichondra, store the spade in a shed. I'll take over the mortgage when your father is dead.
Locked for Pedro Show. Started the second hour off with Flitzer from Grassy Sound. Sounds like another progeny. Uh, we'll get into that, though. Sam Bennett out of Tokyo with some kind of superhero. Franklin Bruno, he was on a show a couple weeks ago. Flagpin, the demo. Some songs start as demos, people, believe it or not. Electrosonic, he's a uh, Derbyshire? Darby. Yeah, you don't say Derby, it's Darby. Derbyshire. Uh, she uh, performed the Doctor Who. With the, This is before synthesizer, right? Where you use loops of tape and shit. Incredible workshop, BBC uh, Sound Workshop. And then uh, Nick Millivoy with uh, Streets of Philadelphia Opal, like the band, right? Yeah. And we just lost him, the Rain Parade guy, David. Opal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think cancer is something terrible. Fuck cancer. Takes too many of us out. I was just thinking of Adam Yauk. Fuck. Only 47. Yeah, Beautiful guy, man. Crazy. Bass man. He had a great uh, momentary switch on his bass that he could make it go, ah, 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 you know, he uses it in sabotage. It's great. So, oh, wow. So, so, Nick, after high school, did yeah. you continue with music in college, that kind of thing? I did not, no. I, uh, well, a little bit, I guess. You know, I, I kept studying music in college, but I didn't, I didn't study music in college. I didn't study it academically. I... Uh, I started college. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I was going to, I started studying biology. And then very briefly, I, you know, I took some music classes for about half a semester. I, I probably, I was a music major. And then I ended up realizing that the shit that I was learning um, at the place I was learning was, it was too square for me. And I, I just had my own ideas about how I wanted music to be put together. Um, I was I was reading things like Our Band Could Be Your Life and checking oh, you guys Mike, out. Mike, and Mike has a ride. What's, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, that was really you know, neat of him to write that book because, like you mentioned, Nirvana and stuff, and that's around when it came out. And people were th – there was a, some kind of revision movement saying, yeah, it went from Sex Pistols to Nirvana, and nothing was in between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thank you, Michael, for writing that book. But that that book had you know of course there could have been a hundred more bands in there you know that of course yeah of course but but uh, so many people I know have read that uh, said they read that and it had an effect on so you you kind of went to the school of life for music that that's right yeah I was uh, well you know I knew enough about myself to know that I needed to keep studying but um, I knew that the things that I wanted to learn I wasn't going to get it at least at the school I was at. Um, so I continued and got a degree there, but took some classes, but I, I wasn't like a, a performance major or anything like that. I have a history degree. Um, but meanwhile, I was just, I, by that point, it was like, I was into you guys. I was into stuff like John Zorn and what, what like a lot of the downtown cats were doing. Um, so I started looking up those guys and taking lessons and, and studying how to play free music on the guitar and how to be experimental and how to, you know, how to be a weirdo and just, Tried to start bands and play as many shows as I could. That now, I thought now, that you, was when what you I say needed. when you say take lessons, that means you find another musician and then yeah. you ask him to do a one on one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't know if people know that everything don't have to be institutionalized, right? Right. Exactly. And I think that that's really important. You know, at the time through college, I was working at this guitar store too, so I, I got a lot of lessons because I would work at this guitar store. And eventually I was teaching there, but before I even started, even in high school, I was, I was working at this guitar store and, uh, I would stand in the back and I would do things like restring guitars and I would stand in the back where, which was the same room where there, there was three lesson rooms 
and I would hear three guitar lessons every half hour going on at once. And I feel like I just, for the over the course of a couple of years, I absorbed, it was like, like maximal absorption of guitar lessons. I just listened to people teaching the guitar and teaching the guitar like for hours at a time. You know, there's a trippy Buddha quote somebody told me. You want to learn? Teach. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I want to play this uh uh, from you with uh, Masserone, Mr. Ma Masserone? Uh, Summer yeah, Jam. Yeah, Simone Masserone.
time filtered our senses. Darkness stole into the room. Transparent crests and peaks played across the walls. The sound of waves grew louder. We lay on our backs, listening. Each crash became distinct. Each seemed defiant and alive. We felt as if we were at war with an unseen enemy. Each wave a soldier wielding a bayonet, aiming to pierce us. And that as they fell one by one to their deaths on the rocks below, they nevertheless pressed closer to us. The night chased its hours. The moon pulled the tide of our hands.
footsteps stopped outside our room. The stranger's shadow rippled on the curtain. For a while, he didn't move. Life drained out of us. We were dead as water, dead as rocks, dead as the road that threaded the cliffs. And in that death was a joining, a temporal absence from ourselves. The motion that had brought us here wound backwards like a marble up a ramp. Mere physics carried us, consciousness without will. Daylight dawned its hours. The moon pulled the tide of our hands.
Pedro show. Yeah, that was Summer Dream from Massaron Melovoir, which is uh, Nick here, my guest. And then All Souls, we had Tony on the show a couple weeks ago. Just can't win. Sky Furrows with Ed Sonata. Uh, Sproton Layer. This is Roger Miller from Mission to Burma when he's a bass player in Ann Arbor where he grew up in the sun. And finally, Electric Simcha with uh, Nagunam, and it's the radio cut version, I guess. <laughs> So, you know, I've been playing, like, uh, one or two of these had your own names, but, like, these these are, 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 are projects, right? Unspeakable Garbage, uh, Grassy Sound. Yeah, they're all, they all have a different concept about them. Sure, sure, um, sure. Most they, of them are my, my initiation, but I threw a couple in there that were really, I feel really close to, but there are other people who wrote the music. Um, well, that let's last put it this way. Let, was let, like that. That's this actually way. a traditional song. Let's put it this way, Nick. A lot of times the bass, the drummer guys, they're they're added, they're brought aboard to aid and abet, right? Right. But in the old days, there was a lot of that. Remember, guitars used to be in the rhythm section along with the piano. It wasn't just drums and bass. Yeah. And but so you you say you initiate. That means you bring in people to collab with you. Yeah. So you have the piece, and then they add to it, or do you? Say, hey, show me something. Let's see what I can do to that. It's all different. Everyone is different. Okay. So, you know, each different project is going to be, I try and have some concept about how it works, but, you know, sometimes it blurs the line. Sometimes it's just, hey, man, I, I wrote this music. You want to play it with me? Um, it, it depends on the band. Here, I'll give you an example. You know, I use the bass a lot for composition. Yeah. Guitar, maybe 5%. <laughs> I can't play it very well anyway. But what I do is when I write on the bass, I don't uh -huh. really have it realized. It's more of a launch pad and more of a, you know, it don't have the harmonic content the piano or the guitar has. So the, the collaborator or the would-be collaborator has a lot of room. So I don't want to know kind of what it's going to sound like until they jump on board, right? Do Makes you it more fun that way. Okay, you approach it like that too. Okay. Because, I mean, every, I've had people make me demos where they fucking MIDI out all the parts. Oh, uh, yeah, no way. That's not my scene. Well, you know, I like to play with people who really like to improvise, and I like to play with people who really like to create on their own as well. And so, you know, the whole, that's the whole point of playing with people, right, is to hear what they have to do. So I might bring well, in Well, I think there's a lot of different ways. Melody, there's, but... uh, there's a lot of different ways, but you seem like you're really uh, tolerant and open-minded. No, I think some people. I try my best. No, for example, if you see a band name with my name in it, I'm probably a shot caller there, like uh -huh. my operas, like I'm asking yeah. people to do things. Uh, obviously, when I was 125 months with the Stooges, I wasn't asking them to change the lyrics, and <laughs> right, I was taking the direction. Then I've been in situations where, you, like with Mike Baguetta, he actually first time in my life a guy write me. You know, I'm not playing the parts of a dead guy. He's actually writing parts for me. I've never done that before. So I yeah. think there's many different ways to collaborate. And that's why I'm interested in yours. Yeah. I love it. I kind of love all of the ways of collaborating in, in that way. Right. Because it's, you get to see how other people process your work and you get to process other people's work. And I think that's what, that's what keeps as a creative person. That's what keeps me motivated. Yeah, and like Shakespeare said, right? It's the world's a stage, and we're playing different parts at different times. Like we were talking about being the boss, right? If you're always the boss, you're going to miss out on some learning something. Oh yeah, you can't always be in charge. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, like we said, that in some weird belief systems, that's like the a number one goal. But I don't yeah. think it's that way, especially with ensemble playing. Yeah, absolutely. The music is the boss. And if you try and push it around too much, it's just not going to work out. Now, 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 you being of the improv school, uh-huh. what about the idea of the tune? Because some people say you got to serve the tune. And you said serve the music, which is very interesting. I like that because improvisation, it's the tune is in the in the moment, right? It's as you're creating it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, I obviously, I you know, I think we've heard a lot, enough of my music now where it's 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 clear. I like to write tunes um, for sure, um, but I like to write tunes in different ways. Like the the song we heard from Grassy Sound, that's just me and another guy, my man Ron Stabinski. And um, though we got we got some other people on other tracks on that album, um, the guys from the Meat Puppets all collaborate on, on some of those tracks. But the the band itself is mostly me and Ron. He's playing and, a keyboard with them now. He's playing keyboard with him, right? Which is how it ended up being a thing where they're involved and um, and and Ron is like, you know, I I wrote all of the tunes, but if I played them with anybody, from what I present it to Ron to what it sounds like, if I played them with anybody else, it sounds totally different. And I'm just giving him some chords and melody, and then we just we just trade back and forth, going playing our own versions of it as we go, basically. Whoa, very interesting. Look, we're at the end of the second hour. October 26, 2020, Edition Watt Peter Show, special guest Nick Milivoy. Hold tight for hour three. October 26, 2020, it's the third hour. Watt for Peter.
Calling planet Earth, calling planet Earth, come in planet Earth, calling, calling. I hear a new word, I hear a new word. There are the words they never told you. There are the words they never told you. There are the words, 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 words. They never told you. There are the words.
Well, from Pedro's show, start off the third hour with Busy Port from Desertion Trio. Who's in the Desertion Trio? All right, so the Desertion Trio, we just changed drummers. We got a new drummer on the new album, but on that one you just heard, that's me and my good friend Johnny de Blasi on bass, who have been playing in bands with for years. And that is uh, Kevin Shea on drums on that track. We just we got a new record coming out. Uh, I think you got a track from that with a drummer named Jason Nazary. He's the drummer now. But this band goes back, huh? This band goes back. Um, Johnny and I used to have a trio called Many Arms, and then when that dissolved, it just the the style of music we played changed a little bit, um, and uh, it, then it became Desertion Trio. But Johnny and I have been collaborating in a trio with different drummers since 2007. Okay, quite a while. Crane after that with Where Where We Belong, uh, Ganji Island, Horn Algorithm. Get it? Al O W L. I guess pun rock, right? Not punk rock, but pun rock. <laughs> and then the Desertion Trio again with uh, I Hear New World. And uh, is this still the old drummy? That is the, that's from the same record, yeah. That's okay. the old drummer, and that's got Ron playing a Mellotron yeah. on there. And that has um, Tara Middleton, who's the lead singer of the Sunra Orchestra, um, singing on there. Right, because a number of years, the orchestra lived in Philadelphia, sat in record days. Uh, yep. Yeah, I have to ask you because I ain't got the mind reading thing. When I get that fucking nailed down, you won't have to waste any yeah. words. You won't something. have to do any more interviews. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I'll be doing them, but I'll be I'll be all my, on my mouth. It, it, <laughs> okay, you know Philadelphia's such a music town. I'm thinking uh, when the Minutemen played with fucking uh, James Blood Almer and uh, wow. Calvin Weston, 17 years old on the drums. And I mean Ali on the bass, right? Rashid Ali's uh, son, who I heard quit music, doesn't touch the bass. Wow. But, uh, and I think Calvin's back in Philly. And Stevie Bunker. He is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, terrible thing losing his son. In the, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, really, going back to Diz, and I mean, there's so much history of music. Philly Joe Jones, of course. You know, Miles lost his voice. Hollering at him how to play the sock symbol, <laughs> some shit I've read somewhere. Uh, but but do you, do you still feel Phillies like that, like a a, a, a Calder? Well, where do, where did me and Mike Begetta play with Steve Hodges up? Johnny Brendis. Johnny Brendis, yeah. The, the 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 boxing glove and the crystal ball. Yep. <laughs> Such a neat little venue, uh, like a, a a micro opera hall or something. You know, people can look down on you. Yeah, I love that place. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good room. Fishtown, right? Yep. Yeah, uh, but what do talk about Philly? Yeah, let me. You know, Philadelphia. I'm sure you know. You see, I got all these songs called uh, "Streets of Philadelphia." That's this book I wrote. Um, Mike Baguette's played some of this stuff. Um, I, I wrote these 25 tunes and named them after streets in Philadelphia and asked a bunch of people to play them because. I am really inspired by Philadelphia, and a lot of that does have to do with what you're talking about. Um, just the feeling of, I think that there's a lot of music, there's a lot of feelings about music, and there's a lot of um, just mythology about music in Philadelphia. For me, I, like I mentioned, I just moved, but um, for seven years, the, the house my wife and I owned was in West Philadelphia. Um, just coincidentally, it turned out that was Dizzy, Dizzy Gillespie's nephew's house. And when I moved in there, I heard, like, you know, our, our next-door neighbors, were they were they would have been the same age. Um, they were 
late 80s and, and would tell me things and be like, oh, you know, that used to be Dizzy Gillespie used to. We all knew Diz. He would come over and would hang out in the backyard. Dizzy Gillespie's nephew, Harold, was also a musician. They would hang out in the backyard and, and have jam sessions all night. And they'd tell me all these stories about these people that would that would come by. And it was like like Wynton Marsalis would come by that house and, and all these old Philly cats and anybody that like Dizzy knew who was on on tour with them or all this stuff just in this house alone. And that got me thinking a lot. I had always, I've always been interested in history and, and stories about music around Philadelphia, but that got me like really absorbed in thinking about that stuff. And, you know, I, I know you, obviously you mentioned it. Like I, I know that you love the, the Coltrane house and it's like, I love going up there and just thinking about that, thinking about train being around West Philly and, uh, or North Philly really, uh, you know, just all, all that stuff, all those feelings of this this legendary this legendary music in the city is is really deep and and something that I've definitely like I feel and I continue to feel. You know, it's trippy. It's actually a port town. I mean, people wouldn't think yeah. that, but in the old days, especially, it was even sure. a navy town. So I think it was kind of cosmopolitan, and it does go way back, you know, to the beginning of the country and. John Coltrane, yeah, he bought that house with his GI Bill money. And Cousin yep. Mary ended up living there and doing gigs in the backyard and stuff. And I, I think they've uh, restored and stuff. I remember the sign got knocked down. And uh, yeah, uh, I will uh, just, just, uh, there's something about it. Now, now, we're not talking about, because I think those guys too from yesterday, they would be hoping you, you're in on inventing tomorrow that you're not just about looking backwards but there's sure. something about having foundation right absolutely it's musical dna right right i want to play another tune from the desertion trio here
private cap shit Got a cap bank, ghetto gated community project shit Projection from the hood, never crash out, still respect it Trish McGuinness, this B.I.G. friend On fire, try to fuck with Rafa, just lost your best Since by far beyond support, it's the excellence Shine without a better bitch, imagery case like veterans Take a second and kick it like a medicine Like a plug to a bookie, you connected Remain accountable for positive change If I use verse, I wish you hit a plateau play Don't finish game, you talk your shit to my face But I feel the love when I hear you scream my name Spit everything from the soul of God Leave music, make you want to move your body Spit everything from the soul of God Leave music, you know, move your body Also ghetto shit, she suck my sunflowers Swallow my seeds, roll the moon nation in the hour Moon roll with the surface, knock down the towers Try and keep the same wits of power Powder faces like J. Edgar who run the cover maneuvers by cowards Run kill my lineage like the Kennedys Tell last me, put a clip to my dome Okay, if it's theirs or one of my own I'm here to let them know they won't ever catch me lose they won't ever catch me Spin them in the face of God Leave music, make you wonder who you're part Sign me, sign me up for mine Do it on the line Sign me, sign me up for mine Do it on the line Sign me, sign me up for mine Oh, is it, is it, is it strange, she said, is it, is it strange what we do? 
Yes, you seem like a smart guy.
from Pedro Show, last music for this edition. The Desertion Trio with Numbers Maker. Then Model Home out of D.C. with Sign Me Up Fa. And The God in Hackney, they were on a couple episodes ago. God in Hackney. You know, I, fuck, I, I put SoCal, New York City, and in, in England. It was Kent, right? But there was also one of the guys was from Germany. <laughs> they were all from four different countries. And through the Skype uh, conference thing, we could all... Rap. See, all the, not everything about the internet is bad. There's some, and well, what about you? Do you trade files with people? Do you collab that way? I do. You know, I don't do a lot that I've, um, I don't do too much that I've like officially released or anything like that. But um, maybe more, more informally, I do stuff like that. Um, I, the last couple of months, I've been doing it all the time. Uh, but nothing, uh, just some, some goofy videos and stuff like that, but it, it's been fun. You know, it's like you get an opportunity to work with people you don't normally get to work with, and that's well, nice. What about the teacher? You say you teach, you give lessons. Do you ever do that online? Yeah, I do it. I do a lot of lessons via Skype. Um, okay. okay. With uh, I got my students. I've been doing lessons by by Skype for years for people who are outside of the city and who hit me up. Sure, but uh, sure. now now everybody gets Skype lessons. And stuff. Yeah. Now I, I forgot the last tune of the uh, this edition, Midtown. Tilt, desertion mm -hmm. trio. But you guys never deserted Philly. Well, you did. You just went across the river, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, but actually, where, where, the other dudes in the trio live in, they don't live in Philly. I'm the only Philly guy. The rest okay. of the guys are New York guys. So they deserted big time. What is yeah. it, 90, 100 miles? It ain't that far. Nah. I, I've taken the Amtrak, in fact, once. Interesting ride. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, Nick? Uh, they can... My, my band camp or my I got a blog spot page that has all my links up there but it's yeah, just yeah. Uh, give, my name I like that give what's the URL so it's it's Nick Millivoy spell you it gotta know, people gotta know how to spell it yeah, yeah spell it Nick N-I-C-K M-I-L-L-E-V-O-I uh, dot blogspot or dot band camp and uh, dot com it, dot com yeah yeah, great. So, people, you could check out Nick's music and stuff. Uh, what uh, you got on the on the on the cooker right now? Uh, some uh, recording. Some, like you said, these days you're collabing through the internet. So, but yeah, so but I, not, I had a but not in release on. mode. You think? Well, I got a some lot of, of stuff, stuff ready to release. Actually, yeah, okay. you playing mostly new music. Actually, uh, the the. First up is in December. On the first Friday of December, I'm releasing this quint these quintet recordings of uh, of my Streets of Philadelphia music, and that's uh, that's you've been the the record has all different variations of of the five instruments playing together, but it's um, me playing guitar and then marimba, trombone, viola, and cello, and then uh, so that's the next thing I'm releasing. But in in April, April or May. Uh, we haven't set a date yet, is the next, we just, Numbers Maker by Desertion Trio is the name of the next record. That's going to come out. And then uh, Grassy Sound comes out in September. And who's Grassy Sound? Grassy Sound is me and Ron Stabinski. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so uh, you're not sitting on your hands. Uh, no, the no. situation, right? I hear so much weeping and moaning and not really dealing. And yeah. it is a bummer, but I mean, right? We got to deal, deal something with it. I heard, I read that King Lear was written in a, a plague lockdown like four hundred something years ago. No way! That's wild. Ancient way. Yeah. So, 
be, let's be part of that tradition, people. Things. Yeah, I like that. Okay, we got to do something. And uh, <laughs> I, I like the way you're generous with your time where you, you, you teach people. And I think you kind of mean it because you were in their place, right? You can relate. Absolutely. I, you know, I do a lot of different things. I, uh, I, I write for, for some guitar magazines and stuff like that. I do that a lot for different types of publications. And I, uh, you know, I was playing a lot, but, uh, you know, when I talk to people, I say, I, I can't really imagine I'll ever stop teaching. Even if I, like, it's just, it's just something I love doing. And it's, it's not even, it's about like, it kind of all doesn't work if it doesn't work together. I think that's just part of it. You got to share somehow. And that's, you know, a way I like to share. I love that, Nick. And when these two new uh, releases come out, and uh, like you said, April or whatever, come back on the uh -huh. show and let's play them and talk about them. Oh, man, I would love to. That would be an honor. Okay. People, it's been October 26, 2020, edition of Show. Keep your powder dry.